Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Jabo macht Tempo, wartet auf harte Herzschwanke, kommt und jetzt ist es Klos. Also, Arminia Bielefeld. Penny, 2-0. 2-0 für den FC St. Pauli. Diese Flanke, Tor, nächster Treffer. Es heuer, Fernandes mit vorne. Ja klar ist er mit vorne. Kittel mit der Ecke, Pujabalata. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Spider Bundesliga podcast. This is a review of the penultimate match day of the 2021-22 season. We are almost there. This Sunday will be the final match day of the season. We'll be saying goodbye to a couple of teams. We'll also be welcoming a few teams as well as understanding who will be playing who in the relegation playoff battles. But before we get to that... Match day 33 threw up everything. We now know who's going up, but we also know the three teams who will be fighting for the final promotion spot and a spot in that promotional playoff battle. Um, it's going to be an incredible end to the campaign. We've got three massive games that we'll be looking at um, that the conference will be, I'm, I'm sure, will be absolutely spamming through um, throughout the uh, the Sunday. But yes. Uh, thank you for joining us for this episode, and we hope to give you all the review from what was a great match day. Of course, alongside me to celebrate match day 33 in the Svarta Bundesliga is the one and only Eva Lotterbola. Eva, good morning to you. How are things? Um, I, I have the feeling I can just repeat everything what I've been saying <laughs> the last six, six weeks tired about the Bundesliga. Um, I know I'm looking forward to join this league again. Um, you know, obviously, it was... Um, the funny thing is, was that um, that that game we're going to talk about first, um, I only saw the halftime result and for some reason, I didn't look at the notifications again. And at some stage, people were like, Schalke is promoted. I was like, how did that happen? <laughs> there wasn't another game. How did that happen? So, um, yeah, we love that about um, about the, the, the Zweite Bundesliga, that even that halftime results don't necessarily mean a game is over. Um, that, that's, that's what we love about this. And, I mean, um, yeah, I think we've seen some... I don't want to say surprising results, but in a way, um, very interesting results, even for what we call the rest um, for this episode, because it might hint in some way to what could happen next year. Um, because obviously at this stage of the season, we always, we at some stage knew which teams are going to, to leave us, which are going to stay, which have the potential um, of, yeah, leaving us next year then so yeah i think this um even though this is this is i think something that is the difference to the Bundesliga as well um even the the best of the rest has has some sort of impact on how we see the league and um that that's great yep this episode is going to be a little bit different to the usual schedule normally we do three 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 but this time because there were so many games that could alter the uh the, the standings heading into the final match day. We've split it into two groups. Group one, of course, will be the five teams that were still in the hunt for promotion, and then best of the rest will be towards the end. But we're going to start with that epic game at the Felton's Arena on Saturday night. It was Schalke. It was St. Pauli. This was the big game. Schalke wins. They would be promoted. There are reasons as to why that was later on. We'll talk about that in a moment. St. Pauli, if they were to win... It would mean that five teams would be separated by two points heading into the final match day. Like you could not write a script. If you sent it to Hollywood, they would send it back because it would never ever happen. But we were so close to seeing that because in the opening phases of this game, Schalke looked in control, putting chances on Dennis Marsh's goal. St. Pauli scores. Igor Matonovic, yes, he exists. He hasn't seen much of, the, of game time this season. He comes in, he opens the scoring, 1-0 St. Pauli. And this would be his last game for St. Pauli when he goes back to Eintracht Frankfurt. We'll talk about that in a moment. Schalke continued to press. They looked very good in the first 
phases, even though they'd conceded the goal. 2-0 St. Pauli. Igor Matonovic would score again. Two very avoidable goals, both kind of crosses into the middle. Matonovic turning, shooting, scoring 2-0. Everything that could go wrong for Schalke did go wrong because when they thought Kota Dekura had scored on 21 minutes, that was taken away because of a handball through the video assistant referee. Harsh, but it was probably the right call. So 2-0 at the break, St. Pauli leading as it would stand. Five teams, two points, match day 34 to go. Incredible scenes. And then something that we cannot explain because we haven't been... It's really hard to explain anything that's happened this season, but this game perfectly typified what the Spider Bundesliga has been all season because just 30 seconds in, Yakov Medic fouls Simon Torotta in the box. Clumsy foul. Unnecessary hold. Toronto goes down. Toronto scores. 28 for the season for him. 2-1. Then, Toronto scores again. 71 minutes down. This was some atrocious defending from from St. Saint, from Saint Pauli. How a ball comes into the box. Darko Chilinov is the one going for the header. Two players bite. Toronto on his own. Toronto scores 2-0. Pauli almost make it 3-2. Marcel Bifus with a thunderous effort. Hitting the chest of Marcel... Um, Martin Freisel, he saves 2-2. Then, a, it's always those you know who can hurt you the most. And for St. Pauli fans, this would have hurt just a little bit. Because on 78 minutes, Marius Bulter finds Rodrigo Zalazar and his ball thunders off the crossbar and in 3-2. That's your full time. Schalke, Aufstieg, they are going back to the Bundesliga. At the first time of asking, <sighs> breathe. Scenes of jubilation at the end of the game as we saw... Fans invading the pitch at the Felton's Arena. There hopefully wasn't too many people who got hurt because it could have been a really nasty situation. But there seemed to be a lot of people that somehow the booze made its way to, to, to the pitch very quickly. There was lots of drinking, lots of celebrating. The pitch got completely destroyed because everyone was getting a piece of memorabilia. But that's it. Schalke go to the top, stay at the top of the table, a draw against Nürnberg, and they are champions of the Spider Bundesliga. Eva, let's digress. What was an incredible game of football? It had virtually everything. Two red cards for St. Pauli at them with Bifus and Matonovic. Five goals. Schalke doing it the hard way, but in the end, Schalke are promoted. Yeah, and I mean, the the thing was, it, it looked like it's going to be uh, a very, very good start for Schalke. Uh, I mean, um, even though Smarsh had uh, some mistakes throughout the game or made some mistakes, uh, especially the first half was was really, really good by him. Um, some very good saves there. I mean, um, you could also see early in this game that St. Pauli had some problems with um, how Schalke attacked very early um, when they wanted to build up the play. Um, for example, in that first minute um, with after the Bifus mistake. Um, and I mean, Zankauli then scores with the first opportunity they get. I mean, it was a beautiful outplay goal. It was uh, the first time Matanovic uh, was, was involved in a goal. I mean, obviously he's going to, I think, Frankfurt after the season. He goes back there, um, yeah. And um, yeah, so the, the the thing is, if you look at the two goals, they're actually good. I mean, uh, with with Pakarada and Irvine, I think mm. for the first goal, and then Irvine again for the second one with Matanovic. Um, Schalke had a lot of chances throughout this game. Actually, as Pauli was then after after being tuned up, which we have seen, which we have spoken about so much. To pass, if you could really also see that. Um, Schultz couldn't really bring on new players because obviously um, due to COVID, all of players were missing and you could really, really see that, especially in the second half. Um, I'm not quite sure what, what Smash does though for the, for the second goal mm. uh, by Terodde. I mean, he stands in front of him. Obviously, Terodde should never be that free mm. in the box as well. But but I, like Smash is neither on the line not is he actually trying to go forward to Tirada in intercepting the ball and everything. That looked very weird. Um, and then I really, really laughed. Actually, for me, the, the third goal of Forshaika was um, very, like, something that, in a way, symbolizes how 
Schalke turned it around in the end mm -hmm. because how how built I mean Terrode was the obvious choice if you look at, at that situation first but Bülter with a very very um good pass to to Salazar who was free on the left side and then Salazar with a very good goal and um yeah I think that in a way that that game really summed up Schalke's uh, season because you had the team who was on top of the league until the end of March and then you had Schalke who wasn't even like on top in the of the majority of the season and so this this game for both teams actually summed up their seasons mm. um and yeah heads up to Schalke so good to see the fans um really cool interview with Mike Biskins afterwards who said the t past two and a half years were very very bad for us we lost the fans um we didn't know what Schalke was anymore we didn't have any money but he, he didn't use Gazprom, but you could really, really say he was hinting towards that, that mm. Schalke found its values on the pitch, off the pitch, you could really say. Um, and they really found their way back with the fans, which is amazing. You could never know how, how long that would take because still there needs to be a lot done for the future for Schalke because... Even though Olaf Thorn apparently thinks Simon Terodde will be the best German striker next year in the Bundesliga, he won't. I'm sorry, but it's still Simon Terodde. I can't argue that he's a good Zweite Liga striker, but we have Simon in the Bundesliga and there are reasons yeah. why two clubs stop after a while. Sorry, Simon, do you want to leave? Um, so, there's still, there's still, because... You got to say with players like Bülter, for example, Enterrode, a couple of other, or Chulinov or so, they were all players that were being benched in Bundesliga clubs mm. and pushed down. So it doesn't mean that they will not be successful, but still I think they, um, I mean, obviously we have the goalkeeping situation at Schalke as well. There will be a, a couple of things that will be, or need to be considered, but if you if you see what Ruven Schröder did so far, mm. um, I think Schalke fans can be compared to other seasons very confident what he will do with having a bit more money mm. at his hand as well. And um, yeah, I think that's um, it's it's going to be a very very difficult season next year. I think that's qu quite clear to say because you don't have like la uh, this year teams like. Fürth and Bielefeld and probably although they're staying in the league like Bochum, so smaller clubs with not that amount of money, with not that yeah, that some sort of uh, authority going in the league like um, like this year. So it's going to be a bit more difficult, but I think um, yeah, in a way it's, it's always difficult to say that uh, a relegation can rebuild a club, can clean it a bit but I think especially in the matter of Schalke because they managed to get up right away um, it really could have that impact Yeah I think over the past few seasons what we've seen is Schalke slowly weed out all the bad eggs because they have had a few Clemens Turnius is, is, is one in particular who you know the club needed to immediately get rid of and should have done so 10 years earlier Um you know, the club had no identity. And, and, and interestingly enough, that identity of the way Schalke could connect with its fans, and this is as terrible as this will sound, all really kind of happened when Dimitris Grimotsis was let go. Bring in someone who has coaching experience, but not someone many would say could take them further. I think the hiring of Peter Herman very much helped. Having someone he played with, trusted understood made a massive difference in the way that Schalke were able to really galvanize and obviously having guys like Gerard Asamoah you know that goes without saying I mean the dude is a living legend and um you know it's fantastic what he does off the pitch and I love the scene where um I think it was 3-2 towards the end and he 
he's just run to the ultras and he's getting them to get amped up and really bring the atmosphere and um that was just amazing I love, I love things like that and yeah considering the the few seasons that um that have happened in Gelsenkirchen it's um yeah it's 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 nice to celebrate what I will say though and I think it it should be said before I talk about St Pauli is that I very much sympathize with fans of Bochum and Bielefeld for the two seasons um, during the pandemic where they won the league and they weren't able to celebrate with their fans and, and, and being kind of robbed of that situation because of the pandemic is such a shame because as much as, as will be expected, Schalke will be celebrating till the night regardless if they end up winning the league or not because they've finally gained promotion. You know, I can't help but feel very sad in the fact that there are a lot of great fans out there that never really got the opportunity to celebrate promotion or a league title because of, you know, force of God, basically. So, um, yeah, I thought I'd, I'd let that out because, yeah, it, it's a shame that they never, you know, the fans of those clubs never really got the opportunity to, to, to do so. For St. Pauli, it was, it, was, it was brought to the attention to me. They didn't lose promotion in this game. They lost it in the Sennhausen game and the Nuremberg game leading 1-0 with, with mere minutes to go in stoppage time, conceding goals. They were the killers. That's five consecutive games without a win. Uh, that continues through April and May. It's been a really tough spell for them, but um, they've had a good season. Um, everything, if you just ignore April and May, they had, they've had a great season. Considering where they came from last season, what their team looks like next season will be very, very interesting. But yeah... Um, Always tough when you can't, when you just don't get over the line, and and um, you know there will be a lot of looking internally. Um, but the one thing they could do is is win on the final match day against Fortuna Düsseldorf and give their fans something to cap off what has been a very good season uh, for St. Pauli. But of course, for Schalke, it ends in promotion. Now let's move on to the team that started match day thirty three. In second place, Darmstadt. They were on the road at Fortuna Dusseldorf. Now, they were the first team that could lay a marker because Hamburg were playing on Saturday and Bremen playing on Sunday. They could put all the pressure on the teams like Schalke, like Bremen, like Hamburg, like St. Pauli. What did they do? Well, they conceded less than three minutes into the game. Felix Klaus finding Emmanuel Ayoa turning in, scoring his first goal of the season. Uh, he started uh, without Rovin Hennings. That's important because he is very much fighting for a place to beat in Fortuna with, with Dusseldorf next season. So what would be the response from Darmstadt? Knowing down a goal, not really off to a great start, need to make an impact. 2-0 down. Felix Klaus finding Matthias Zimmerman for his third of the season. And just 10 minutes in, Dusseldorf, who had beaten Darmstadt seven of the last eight times, were pulling Everyone a favour. All the beer would be flowing in Dusseldorf from Schalke, from, sorry, from Gelsenkirchen, Hamburg, and Bremen. All the all the food, it was all going great. But Darmstadt eked and tweaked, and eventually their moment came when Florian Kastenmeier used his head to tackle Luca Pfeiffer. And to be honest, I we can talk about this in a moment, but I'm not convinced that that was a legitimate penalty because to me. From the angles that I saw, it looked like Luca Pfeiffer took a flat-out dive and he kneed uh, Florian Kastenmeier in the head. That's the that's the angle that I saw from Sky. I could be wrong, um, but to me, I do question the legitimacy of the penalty. Tobias Kemper scores. Game on at 2-1. Could they find an equaliser? Could they at least put some pressure on Schalke and the teams below them? No. No, they couldn't in the end. 2-1 defeat. That's eight wins for Fortuna Dusseldorf against Darmstadt in the last nine meetings. And it's 11 games unbeaten for, for Daniel Tune since he took, co- took the reins at Fortuna Dusseldorf. Dusseldorf move up to 10th. Darmstadt, we'll talk about where they are at the end of this segment, missed a horrible, horrible opportunity. So, Eva, let's talk Darmstadt because... We probably didn't think about this before talking about the game last week, but you know Dusseldorf were in good form, but they were maybe due to lose a game because they'd been on such a good run. But historically, this was a massive problem game because they have a horrible record. In fact, they've only beaten them twice this millennium, and 
that that is concerning. But they got off to the worst possible start in big games when you need to calm the nerves. It was evident that they put themselves on the wrong foot right away. Yeah, and I mean the the funny thing is I don't even remember if we said this last week, but I think at some stage after after the um, win the six and win, we we basically said. It would fit to Darmstadt if they lose to Düsseldorf next week. Mm. And they did. <laughs> we can call ourselves Nostradamus for once in our yeah. lifetimes. Um, no, I think, obviously, first of all, I, I would side with you. I don't really know why that second goal... I mean, it wasn't really... you got to say, you can't be sure if a goal would have been conceded then because uh, the ref blew the whistle before so he couldn't give the give the goal nevertheless because um yeah obviously he blew the whistle before uh that go that ball was even in goal so it wouldn't have counted either way but um yeah they lost they lost this game in the first half um i was really worried how passive there were in the first half um i really love what fortuna did probably felix klaus best game so far this season uh was really really amazing they had a lot of problems with him um their breakthrough attacks were amazing always um produced dangerous moments um they could have been even three nil up at half time um and what I was wondering about after uh, after the penalty was though why once again Kastmeier stayed on the pitch because I don't know about you but when he went in goal for that for taking that penalty um, he didn't look comfortable mm. when Kemper scored the goal he he just stood there paralyzed mm. um, don't really think I mean it's not a good thing than not there say if 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 they would have switched or void for that uh situation then it would have been uh it wouldn't have been a goal but still um in in such a game it's vulnerability that you don't need and obviously it's it's dangerous for play as well Absolutely. um yeah and then <laughs> i have the feeling Teams were really looking forward and producing really stupid fouls and very stupid red cards towards the end of the game. Yeah. Obviously, very stupid foul by by Ginchek, um after Chazula fouled him. Chazula got sent off as well because of a second yellow. Mm. Um, that was a very weird ending to the game. But um, yeah, I think in the end, um, Carice, we still might wonder what could have happened if Daniel Tune took over. Mm-hmm. In the winter break, looking at you for doing just sort of, um, <laughs> but we could have had this football earlier. Just saying, there were a lot of games that I didn't have to see otherwise. Um, but yeah, I mean, they they will travel to San Pauli very very confident, uh, and I think it's great what Tune did with the team. And yeah, I mean, we were talking about this uh, that Düsseldorf is one of the teams. We we say this in and out, but we could see really um, being one of the teams because obviously um, with Hanover, just because of what Hanover all does, and they have to be, and mm. still think this Fortuna Düsseldorf looks a bit more comfortable in that mm-hmm. spot at the moment. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, if they want to get promoted next year, is probably going to be mm. don't want to say easy because the Zweite Bundesliga is never easy. But it's one of the seasons, as clubs like Düsseldorf, Nuremberg, and Hanover, you gotta say this is the year we have to do it. Especially if we have the constellation that in the end, uh, Schalke, Bremen, and HSV are getting promoted. It it would be a good time for the get, for them to get promoted. I always wonder what it would have been like had they hired Daniel Tune at the start of the season. Maybe my top three would have been correct. Maybe not in the right order. But my top three of Bremen, Dusseldorf, and Schalke may have coexisted. But that's enough about me wondering what could have happened if I was correct. This Darmstadt game was so just hard to comprehend because they had the opportunities, as you would expect from Darmstadt. In fact, they had 20 opportunities on goal. It amazes me, though, that 
the team that has been for so long the best offensive team in the league couldn't break down probably not even the best defensive four that Fortuna Dusseldorf has played all season. And this is why we, we mentioned the Paderborn game is a danger game because Paderborn are really strong away from home. <laughs> I, I, look, I'm not going to predict how the final match day will go, nor will I mention what, what Darmstadt will do, but boy, they've given themselves a Herculean task. They will need a bit of help if they are to go automatically promoted, as well as if they are to make the playoff. All to do, but yeah, Dusseldorf, good win for them. They also said goodbye to Oliver Fink. He spent the last 12 seasons at Fortuna. Uh, they gave him a good send-off. Big win for Fortuna. They look good for next season. I'm very confident of that. Now, let's go to the team that started third, heading into match day 33. That was Werder Bremen. They took an Erzgeberger out at the Erzgeberger Stadium on Sunday win, and they return to second place. Lose, well, they would be on the outside looking in. First half was tricky. Couldn't really break down Auer's defense, and they had a long time, they really struggled to break them down. But eventually, just four minutes into the second half, Marco Friedel gets his fourth goal of the campaign with a tap-in pass Philip Clavine. Auer really didn't offer a whole lot in this game, um, and then Bremen really put them away right at the death, twice scoring in stoppage time. First it was Niklas Fulkrug, then Niklas Schmidt. Game over, 3-0. Um, it was probably excluding the kits that they wore, which were just gross. Those tattooed black and green kits that they wore, um, which hopefully they will never wear again because they were just ugly. Um, Bremen re- returned to the top two, and they have the advantage they have a two-point cushion to the teams below them. All they need... Actually, it's a three-point gap, sorry. They need a draw against Jan Regensburg, and they will also be joining Schalke in getting direct promotion. But let's talk about this game. It wasn't great. I think I think our, our parked the bus pretty heavily. In fact, they had a couple of buses in front of that goal. Weren't really looking to attack very often. It took Bremen a while to break through, but when they did, they looked pretty comfortable in taking the win. Yeah, first of all, for that jersey, my favorite tweet about all this is the guy who who said, who actually tattered the Green Legend logo (laughs) on himself. Very tweet tweet of the year, in my opinion. Um, uh, it's a very, very, very ugly jersey, and I was afraid for a second because uh, when they previewed that jersey, the whole back was full, and obviously this isn't allowed to German football. Um, very glad that isn't allowed because mm. you couldn't have read the, the numbers on the back, so yay. Um, I mean, for the game, in a way, it was a typical Werder Bremen way, but at the same time, it wasn't because actually they they really, really struggled to create chances mm. in the first half. Um it didn't. They didn't really look confident there. Um, I mean, Fulkrug had a couple of, of of shots from the distance. Nothing new there. Um, and in in a way, it's then showing that it wasn't actually a striker who who scored that goal that turned it around for Werder Bremen in the, in the second half. I mean, uh, really good boy Bittencourt, and 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 then obviously Friedel who scored the goal. Um, but in general, everything that happened afterwards, that was very typical Werder Bremen. It, might, I mean, it took them until stoppage time until they scored again. And even, like I, I said it, the, the third goal was actually first goal. I thought, okay, this is actually proper football. Um, because it was um, yeah, really good work by Ding Schiefer, Cook and Schmidt um, to score that goal. But yeah, in general, I don't know. I mean... Is this the game you want to have before you say, okay, a point is enough against Regensburg in a way? I'm not quite sure, especially when the last home game was the the, the game against Kiel. I think in a way they they put themselves in a very unnecessary position. Um, I mean, in my opinion, they will still get promoted, but the thing is... (sighs) There are a lot of question marks 
after the season still to be answered. I mean, same with Schalke. Um, it's clear that the, the, the team can say as well, Werder has the, the advantage that they have a coach who, who has an idea, who actually can, for the first time, really form this team because obviously you had the winter break, but you can't really use that time. So he actually has the time to, to implement players he really wants for that team as well. Um, but yeah, for me, that that duo for Krug Duxch in the Bundesliga, I'm not I'm not completely convinced yet. I'm, I'm not sure um, because just and I know Werder fans are tired of hearing this, but you won't get as many opportunities to have to score goals. You don't have that many. You you won't get 15, 15 shots on 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 goal. To, to to score a goal, um, that that's not going to happen. Um, I don't, or at least I'm not seeing this happening. Um, and as well, Fukuk and Duksh are not the typical, um, yeah, striker duo for the Bundesliga for me. But that's yeah, and like I'm really looking forward to seeing players like Romano Schmid, for example. Mm. Even maybe even players like Dingshi. Um, in, in the Bundesliga, um, there are talks about, I think, uh, Pascal Kohl's joining uh, when they get promoted. Um, that would be good. But, yeah, there are still a couple of question marks, obviously, Niklas Schmidt as well. Um, so I think, in some ways, the midfield isn't isn't the biggest problem. Attacking-wise, I would still say there are, there are points to look at uh, as well. As And I think that's really, really, really... The thing they have to take care of first is the defense. Um, once again, Topak out. Um, mm. There are talks of, of maybe that he's even going to end his career. You can't really see him. You need someone who, who can do the majorities of the games. And at the moment, it doesn't look like it, which feels very bitter for him. But in the long run, I can't really see him. So that's something... Federer has to fix, and at this stage, no, it's not going to be Amos Pipa, Hannes. Go away. <laughs> that was personal. That was <laughs> well. Now you know Hannes, um, because he's coming to Schalke, obviously. So, um, anyway, um, yeah, I mean, they they have they hold the cards. That's the lucky thing, is that Bremen control their destiny. One point will be enough, but. If they lose, for example, they very much open the door for this team. Their bitter northern rivals, Hamburger Esval, who are on an absolute tear at the moment. And a 2-1 win at Hanover for at least 24 hours had Hamburg in the top two for the first time this season. Incredible. This is unlike what we've seen from Hamburg in the three previous campaigns in the Spider Bundesliga. And yet, here we are, with one match day to go, a superior goal difference, and they also control their own destiny. If they win against Hansa Rostock, they could, at very least, if Bremen get a point, make the playoff. So, what did they do on the weekend? A 2-1 win at Hanover. Their goal scorer, Robert Glatzel. He scored both occasions. He has 21 goals this season. One player who was fantastic in this game for Hamburg was Daniel Hoyer Fernandez, who made a bunch of crucial saves in this game, especially towards the end. Hanover, just the one goal. Sebastian Kirk, beautiful. It was probably the goal of the game, actually, on uh, 22 minutes. He's got nine for the season. But uh, let's be honest, for Hanover, it really wasn't about what was going on the pitch. More so what was going off it, because as we've spoken about for the last couple of weeks, if you've been uh, tuning into the podcast, uh, Stefan Leidel will be the head coach at Hanover. We said this last week that it was pretty much a done deal. They confirmed that on Sunday when they thought no one was watching on Twitter, but we all saw what you were doing. He takes over from Christoph Dubrovsky. He will be leaving the club in the summer, along with Mike Franz and Dominic Kaiser, who have not had their contracts renewed. But the big word is, of course, Hamburg. Currently, third. They have an incredible opportunity to do this. It was their last game for Manuel Winsheimer and Faraday Aludu at home. They're both leaving. Aludu's going to Frankfurt. Winsheimer to be determined. But I suspect he'll be in the league next season. They're really going to do it, aren't they? 
Even if they're really going to either make the playoff or they could get promoted directly because of their good goal difference. If Bremen loses to Jan Regensburg, which we don't think they will, but let's say they do, for example, and Hamburg wins, Hamburg will get promoted. This is why we love scenarios. This is why uh, nerds like me will definitely be making a video about this on Friday. This is incredible. And what a turnaround it has been, it has to be said, because they were, well, they were nowhere for a long period of the season, but I guess it is fitting that the team you least expect would make it to the top three with a match day to go would find itself in the top three. Well, who would have thought that it's going to be Haasfau who's the dark horse for this season? Amazing. No, and I mean, it, it would be at some stage obviously amazing if Tim Walter actually <laughs> meets Five Fish Stuttgart in the mm, playoff. Yep. Football Twitter will be burning. I think that's for sure. Um, not like just that. That's going to be a whole huge clash because if you look at all the uh, past duels between those two two clubs, get into it and obviously because the away rule is gone, so we don't see stupid draw thingies like the years before. Hopefully, um, no. But um, this game, I mean. Yeah, the feeling was quite interesting. I couldn't mm. really wrap it at first. And I mean, then those major chances for Hanover and then, mm. yeah, just seven minutes to turn it all around. Um, especially Yata for that second goal. Really amazing cross to find Glatzel's chest. Um, yeah, I mean, then, then, then the second half was not as packed. Hanover was... Offering to less, in my opinion, or as the um, Sky experts say, if Hanover doesn't score um, another goal, Hamburg is going to win. Well, <laughs> didn't think it needs goals for turning a game around if you're 2 1 down. <laughs> Not sure about this. Great, great expertise. Thumbs up for that. And I mean, yeah, <laughs> all jokes aside, Hamburg, in my opinion, was closer. To the three-one, very very close with mm. Farid Ali. Do um, it's it's kind of funny that you have two Hamburg players, um, or players from Hamburg <laughs> playing in that way, playing uh, for Frankfurt next season with Matanovic and Ali. Do uh, one was very successful this weekend, although he did lose. One was. Not as successful and win. Have fun with that Eintracht Frankfurt. <laughs> going to be really cool Champions League games next year because obviously Eintracht Frankfurt is going to win um, the uh, Europa League final. Um, that being said, I jinxed it. I'm very sorry, all Frankfurt fans. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, in the end, a deserved win for Hamburg and. Mm -hmm. uh, I think a feeling not a lot of Hamburg fans are comfortable with at the moment. <laughs> so they always thought the last match day was like, yeah, we're going to lose anyway. But they can really, really do it um, by themselves, at least reaching the third. So at some stage, the promotion is really, um, really, really close, as close as it was in the past couple of years, even though yeah, this game where they lost 5-1 to Sandhausen, but we're not going to talk this this again um now in the end um as mentioned deserve win for hanover probably yeah they, they're playing ingolstadt so there is the opportunity to have a good end to the season for the fans i'm i don't know how if they're actually going to manage to have more than ten thousand fans in the stadium for the weekend i mean um it's a bit unfair but uh, also adds up to their um yeah, uh, pirate performance um, mm. in Hamburg on the weekend. That was really good. Also, I forgot about this. That was very great by Schalke as well. Goosebumps. I really love it. And um, yeah, and I think that was... Uh, we now continue with the best of the rest. Yeah, I, I, the good thing you mentioned the pirate because I was uh, providing my dad, who's not a big football fan, but culturing him in, in the, the art of the pyrotechnics in uh, the Spider Bundesliga. And uh, yeah, he's very much on board with the... Uh, the artistry as uh, we do it. So, before we get to our first break, let's break down the scenarios. Because there are a few ways that this can play out. For Werder Bremen, who sit in second place, win and they in. Draw and they're in. Lose and it gets a bit uncomfortable. If Hamburg wins and Darmstadt 
fails to win, they will be in the playoffs. If both teams win, Bremen are back here for another season, which would be outrageous because they have the worst goal difference of the bunch. Hamburg, if they win and Bremen loses, they're in. Superior goal difference, period. Failure to win and a Darmstadt win or draw. Oh, sorry, it's just a, if, if it's a Darmstadt win and Hamburg fails to score a point, Darmstadt will be in the playoffs. Hamburg will be fourth for the fourth consecutive season. Darmstadt need Bremen to lose and Hamburg not to win to gain automatic promotion. If Bremen does get a point, they need Hamburg to not match their result to get the playoff. There. That is what it looks like. And we will talk about this next week. So let's take our one and only break and we'll get to the rest. We're going to start at the Holstein Stadion. It's Kiel and Nuremberg. Heading into the match day, Nuremberg had, well, the slimmest of chances. In fact, I would go 0.0000 and then there's a one at the end of keeping their hopes alive for at least the playoffs. They needed to get a result against the Holstein Kiel side that had just beaten Werder Bremen. It was a bit of a throwback, to be honest, because some of the goal scorers were very prominent fixtures, maybe in the mid-2000s. Maybe not Steven Skripsky, but you know, at Union, he was quite the player. He scored his third goal of the campaign on 14 minutes, and then Julian Korb, who's been a bit of a goal threat for them as a right wing-back, he scored on 41 minutes to make it 2-0 at the break. The player, though, who really shone the brightest um, in this game for Kiel was the Lewis Holtby. Yes, that Lewis Holtby. The one who killed it at Mainz. The one who was very good at Schalke. And then kind of fell into the abyss of, um, you know, what of the the could-haves and should-haves of German players who have made the journey to England. Um, But that being said, though, he was magnificent in this game, playing in more of a defensive midfield role, really controlled the tempo of the game, was great defensively, was a threat going forward, and his goal was very good. Granted that Christian Matania probably should have covered his near post a bit better. So the result, 3-0. Second consecutive week in a row that Kiel have scored three goals, three different goal scorers in this one, much like the last one, but of course they were two own goals for Bremen. That puts them now in the top half of the standings. Nuremberg dropped to 7th. We'll talk about why that is. But um, yeah, it's fair to say that Nuremberg have very much halted over the last few weeks. One win in the last five, um, and their season has come crashing to an abrupt end. Out of the teams that are in the top nine, they are the, the second worst side um, because St. Pauli winless in April and May so far. But uh, a disappointing end. It's pretty ob- their, their issues are quite glaring. It's in attack. Obviously, Nikola Dovidan is leaving. Uh, they tried Eric Shurinov on the weekend. He was... Well, he didn't see much of it, to be honest. Uh, that Scheffler uh, Borkowski was actually on the bench for the first team for the first time in a while. They have problems, and it's in attack. We knew this was an issue. They've been one of the teams that's really struggled to score goals out of those competing in promotion. In fact... They've actually scored 20 less goals than Darmstadt. Um, the only team that's really closest to them is, is St. Pauli with 59 goals. It's a problem. We know what they need to fix. Whether they fix it, we don't know. But it's fair to say uh, they're not really giving their fans much to, to look forward to next season if this is what they have to look forward to. Yeah, no, I mean, um, and by Kiel, it, it's quite quite the opposite, I think. It was um, mm-hmm. one of the games where they showed what they can do if they want to. As you've mentioned, uh, a good Louis Holby can do wonders to a team. I've never thought I, I, I'd say the word that Louis Holby was the best, uh, or I would say those words this season or at all, uh, that this was a Louis Holby masterclass. Uh, but it was, and um, yeah, in general, of that, that, for example, Hopi's uh, cross or chip ball, uh, more or less to 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 Reza before he passes through to Corb, amazing, um, amazingly timed, and obviously the first goal was was a very good um, good performance as well from all players involved here, um, and yeah, for Nuremberg, I have the feeling in a way it really fits to their last seasons where they always had 
couple of like the last couple of games everything could happen and um yeah you could really see quite early in this game not a lot is going to happen in this game um there were they were quite disappointing for Kiel obviously in the end really a good end to this season for them after how they started I'm I'm quite interesting to see how um how Maserab will build that team uh, for for next year and um maybe there there might be one of the teams um in the in the upper half of the table again um that's going to be in my opinion they're one of the teams to look out for so yeah that's uh, I think that's all you can say for okay yeah I mean Kiel are one of the enigmas of the season uh, for next year because they don't usually have two bad seasons in a row and you know we know how difficult it is to get backed into the mix after losing in the playoffs as to the extent that they did so they are certainly a team to look out for and I'm sure they're going to have a lot of changes in personnel having the likes of you know Stefan Tesker and you know this is no offense to him but um, it's probably not the ideal situation as a starting center back they will need to get a bit younger um, but ultimately I think they're in a good position where they could be a bit of the dark horse one of the dark horses for next season uh, for Nuremberg yep not great but I guess uh, a good news a bit of good news t- happened today time of recording on a Wednesday that Tim Hanverker will be staying at Nuremberg Nice. Now, let's move to the Bensler Arena. This is the last time we get to call it the Bensler Arena before it becomes everyone's favorite, uh, favorite and affordable home furniture set, the Home Deluxe Arena. Paderborn take on Sandhausen. Uh, this game ended two goals to nil. Goals from Florent Moslier and Philip Clement. Moslier's got seven goals this season. He's proven to be a very, very good winter signing. Um, and they got him for nothing. Not sure what Hanover was didn't see. Uh, Clement, of course, on loan. But um, yeah, he got a second goal. Probably should have scored a couple of times in this game. Um, <clears throat> what does it mean? The win for Paderborn ensures that they will finish the season in the top seven. They are currently sixth ahead of Nuremberg. They can remain sixth if they win against Darmstadt on the weekend. Um Zanhausen, it's you know they'd gained promotion, they'd gained promotion. Oh boy, uh, they'd gained survival, but since then they've uh, they've lost twice uh, the, the game at Schalke and here at um, in Paderborn. So, Eva, let's go quick on this one. Good win for Paderborn, Yanukut once again, very very good. Definitely a candidate, I would suggest for our player, one of the players of the season, maybe the team of the season. Um, but uh, I guess it was the Muslia magic once again. It's fair to say that he, uh, yeah, he's done it again. Um, he, I'm amazed that Hanover let him go for, for, for next to nothing. He's been a very good signing for them and once again was uh, very good here. Yeah, and I mean, um, first of all, that the game started with a Clement chance who obviously thought he was offside, but he Ooh. wasn't. And he decided, yeah, I'm, I'm offside. Nevertheless, just going to stop playing. And I was, you could really see how the whole stadium was like, why? <laughs> um, yeah, afterwards, two, two goals from a distance. Uh, nothing between that happened. I think it was not a particularly good game to watch. Um, but obviously, it's difficult to play against. And how's I mean, there were quite quite good actually in defense because it's just two goals from this and amazing free kick by Clement obviously as well Kaduchi then nearly with a 1-2 in my opinion I was very very much um, irritated why there wasn't a penalty in the end because in my opinion Talhama um, fouls Kaduchi in, in the box but well I mean didn't really make a difference there anyway um, yeah I think there's not much more to say about this game for Paderborn. Weird season, but they stay in the league for a second year in a row, which is a good thing for them in a way. Uh, for Zanthausen, secured um, promo- uh, promotion, promotion, staying in the league. Oh my God, I can't speak. I'm so sorry. Um, for another year. Hopefully they won't have so much changes again, but it doesn't look like it. And, um, yeah. 
Yeah, we've completely gone off the boil. It's been a very long season. We've had a rabbit pee on a couch in my house, and it's just honestly, we the season can't come to an end close enough. That's how chaotic it's been. Um, but yeah, I think for both teams, I mean, Sandhausen, of course, happy to to stay up. Um, Alias Schwarz will get a full season preseason, although it will be a short preseason because we start July fifteenth. Um, and same with Paderborn. I think. Uh, They've taken their chances when they've come come to them. Maybe they're a team that could be in the mix next season. I don't know. Um, I feel like if they can find a, a solid replacement at striker, maybe. But uh, yeah, they've, they've had a, a very turbulent season. Uh, it's a bit unlike them. It's turbulent, but it hasn't ended in promotion or relegation. So, um, yeah, it has been quite crazy. Uh, let's move on to probably out of the games that were in the rest, the one that had the most importance, because Dinamo are still searching for a win in 2022. Um, they they went to the Vild Park against Karlsruhe, and, um, well, it looked good for a good portion of time. Patrick Weirauk, yes, that Armenia Bielefeld Patrick Weirauk, Opened the scoring. His first goal of the season. He was very good in this game, actually. And um, he uh, he played his part in helping Dinamo get something in this game. But they, of course, you know, they conceded a set piece. Jerome Gondorf heading home his first goal of the campaign. And would you believe it? They conceded from another set piece. A free kick coming in and Philip Hoffman making it 19. Uh, and believe and Bo- allowing Borkham fans to believe that he will be their goal-scoring saver next season. I doubt it. Um, but um, as many people were eagerly watching their kick tip, thinking that Karlsruhe were going to give them all the points, uh, they would fall apart in the end. Mikel Okoto, who hasn't scored all season, he got his first goal of the campaign. Four minutes into added time. It's a draw for Dinamo. Yes, they are still winless, but there is clarity. They will be playing Kaiserslautern in the relegation playoff after Lauten just completely fell apart, losing to Victoria Cohen, ensuring that Eintracht Braunschweig will be joining us next season. So, let's talk Dinamo, because it's good to know who they're going to play, but... Um, Yeah, they still have problems. And I think that any team with good set-piece routines are going to find a way to score against this defense. Yeah, I mean, I I don't really know what to say about the game. I mean, we watched part of of this game together and uh, there were a lot of question marks uh, on both our foreheads uh, through the game. I mean, I I really, really like that Bayrock scored in in that game and how he scored as well. Obviously, good job by Königsdorfer before, but I think in moments like this, um, you'd really feel for Weirauk because he's one of the players you would say, we say, if he wouldn't have been injured for such a long period of time, he could have really made an impact at Dresden. I do feel very sorry for him because, as you mentioned, he is a former Bielefeld player and I really liked him here as well. So, um, yeah, that's that's really, really a shame. Um if he goes with with them in into the Dritte Liga, um, I I hope he has more time to play and maybe um, we will see him back in the Zweite Bundesliga. Um, if they go to the Dritte Liga, I'm so sorry, do not Madrid fans, so so sorry. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm very sorry for that. Um, my head is through. Yeah, for Karlsruhe, there are huge question mark for me throughout the season. I don't know what to do if if. I I don't know if this is um, known beyond Germany, but we have um, this I don't group of three people. They're called the three question marks, and three detectives. And if I would like need to choose children or young adult, I don't know um, personalities, characters for <laughs> uh, for Bundesliga teams. The three question marks, or in German now they're called die drei Fragezeichen. They would be Karlsruhe. There's so many, so many question marks about the club. I, I can't even start. Um, I mean, they lose the best Bundesliga striker the Bundesliga will ever see um, next year. Have fun with that. Um, but yeah, for Dresden, fingers crossed. Um, obviously, they can. Um, 
yeah, get some some motivation in in the derby next week before it goes to the relegation playoff game against Kaiserslautern. I mean, the good thing that they have Kaiserslautern is mm. pretty much oh. chaos at the moment. Um, so yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's a great mystery. What I will say, though, about Karlsruhe before I talk about Dynamo is they are one of five teams that have gone on a winless run of fight. They've <laughs> winless in their last five, um, which is outstanding. Um, actually, it might be six. Two, yeah, it's six. Six teams uh, in the league are winless in their last five games. Um, and they've got a nice even pattern of draw, loss, draw, loss, draw. And in fact, out of all the teams... They've, they've only won nine games. This is the incredible part about their season. This is why they're such an enigma, because they've drawn 14 times, um, which is the most in the league. But they've only won nine games, which is the fifth fewest. So, yeah, they're, they're going to be under a lot of question marks. They've got a few players leaving at the end of the season, a couple of goalkeepers. Mark Lorenz, who's in his 30s, who's probably not going to... Not sure if he'll continue playing, but yeah, there's Ricardo Van Rin as well. Um, bit of movement for Dinamo well I mean it's kind of crazy to see but out of the two teams out of them and Kaiserslautern they're the one that probably has the least turmoil and they haven't won a game this year this calendar year which is incredible because they just can't I don't understand I don't understand where they're at but um you know, Capretti, Coach Capretti has got a bit of work to do. The good thing for them is, is they're unbeaten in four games. Four consecutive draws. So that's something they can hold their hat on. But it is going to be a massive game. We will talk about the playoffs at the end of the show um, because Kaiserslautern is in turmoil and I have no idea how to explain it. Now, let's go to Regensburg. Jan Regensburg and Heidenheim. Two teams that are already safe. Not a lot to play for. Looking forward to the end of the season. Regensburg who are just not great, continue to be not great. They lose 2-0 on this one. Patrick Meinke, who wasn't even facing the goal as he headed the ball past Torsten Kirschbaum, and then Tobias Moore made it 2-0, nine minutes from time. Heidenheim win with Frank Schmidt returning to the dugout. For Regensburg, <laughs> it's another defeat. In fact, in the Rookrunde, they have... Only won twice out of 16 games. They are the third worst team in the Svita Bundesliga. We can go back to it about how they got off to a great start. They really struggled. They've really struggled since then. They probably would have been in the relegation fight had they not had such a good start. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the only thing really to talk about with Jan Regensburg was Torsten Kirschbaum, who was pretty good in this game. And he's very much auditioning to be the number one next season, as it seems more likely, Eva, that Alexander Meyer will be departing. Yeah, and I mean, this was a very untypical... What, what, what untypical is, is, is difficult to say, but in a way it wasn't typical uh, for Heidenheim away from home, um, because normally we know that they have done efficiency at home. I mean, uh, you could say Regensburg... Uh, in a way, they had more shots on goal, but you still had the feeling that Heidenheim was the better team because the the, the opportunities Regensburg had in this game, um, especially in the first half, weren't really convincing, <laughs> to, to say the least. And, I mean, yeah, in the end, you could really see this is a game that doesn't mean a lot for both teams. And um, still not sure where Regensburg's uh, way is going to lead them next season. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it once again because I was so wrong and right at the same time last season. I don't really know what Mersen Selimbegovic's plan is if the first one doesn't work. We have seen this throughout the season. This yeah. If mm. he wouldn't if it and this sounds mean, but if it wouldn't have been Regensburg who in the football context, nobody really cares about that much that there would be open media pressure in some way. I'm quite sure that which would have been gone for the end of the season, even though he had that good start to the season. Because very, very clearly, he lost that team and he didn't have any more ideas. The team doesn't want it anymore. So, 
Yeah, and with losing Max Bezushkov, mm. um, there's one very important creative player missing from the team. So yeah, for Heidenheim, it's Heidenheim. I don't want to like. I can't say anything more. It's it's you get what you like, what you ordered with them in a way each season. So yeah, and it's going to be that 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 game against Karlsruhe. It's Oof. yeah, basically one of the two weirdest teams this season meeting each other, in my opinion. I I just wonder if we can just put a giant question mark and that could be the note for that that game because it's that's going to be a weird one. But of course, Jan Regensburger traveling to Bremen. Uh, they could be the ultimate villain on match day 34 if they were to steal a victory at the Veja Stadion. Um, but yeah, just two teams that are looking forward to the end of the season because it yeah it wasn't a great game. Um, and uh, yeah, good points for for Heidenheim who will just consolidate the position in the top half of the table. And finally, our last game of the match day: Ingolstadt against Hansa Rostock. Ended goalless. Uh, we know a few people that made the journey to Ingolstadt to watch this game, and uh, yeah, they were treated to not a lot of opportunities. Uh, very much a defensive stalemate. Um, I really don't know what to talk about this game. It, for Hansa, it's four consecutive draws in a row, much like Dynamo. Uh, Ingolstadt, well, they kept the clean sheet, which they haven't been able to do very often um, this season. You know, even though they are the second worst defensive team in the league, 60 goals, 62 goals conceded. Um, they are obviously trying to avoid being at the bottom. Uh, they got Hanover on the weekend, so they will be hoping that Dinamo can win and they can get a result to get off the foot of the table. It's been a long season for both these teams, less so for Hansa because Rostock have secured survival. They were the only team from the Dritz League to guarantee automatic survival. Um, but yeah, it's fair to say both teams really kind of played through this one at a, uh, gentle pace, let's just say. Uh, I think both teams were pretty happy to secure a point and move on. Yeah, this was a horrible game. I'm not going to lie. Because <laughs> it was the better team. They Maybe they didn't score because it felt like a home game for them uh, with all the fans they had there. Um... For Ingolstadt, they leave the this league. I mean, they have one more game against Ham, uh, Hanover, obviously, but they 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 don't leave this league with a last great hurrah. I think <laughs> um, they they need to reform after that season, definitely. Uh, for Vostok, I think in the end, it's it's okay. They they didn't score. They had they had chances, but I mean. Um, it was this one really, really good save by Kolka versus Gauss. So they have a good goalkeeper. It's always going into next season. But yeah, I think the least that is being said about this game, the best. Yeah, I, I really have nothing else to bring to the party with this one. So let's actually talk about who's coming up because we know Magdeborg guaranteed promotion. Eintracht Braunschweig did so despite losing uh, 3-2 at Meppen. They were gifted the ultimate present by Victoria Köln when they beat Kaiserslautern two goals to nil and ensured that Braunschweig will be back for the first time in a couple of seasons. Michael Schieler is a familiar name to some of you. He coached Würzburg and then Zenhausen and then was out. Um, he's done a great job at Braunschweig. So, as we mentioned earlier, Dynamo Dresden, their opponent, is Kaiserslautern. What have Kaiserslautern done? Well... Because they're not playing this week because Tukachu München is out of the Dritzliga, they went and got themselves a new coach for the playoffs. Marco Anverpen, who had been in charge for the for the entirety of the season and part of the rescue mission last season, he's gone. And a familiar name to all of us, Dirk Schuster, will be in charge for the two games to try and get Kaiserslautern back to the Zweite Bundesliga for the first time in five seasons. Unbelievable that a team has actually done this because this is very rare that you would see a team from the Dritzliga that is in the top three would change coaches ahead of the playoffs. Now, they get an extra week to prepare. That's ideal. But this is very uncharted territory. It'll be very, very interesting. In the Bundesliga, we know Greta Furt is coming down, but we await who will join them. 
We also await to find out who will be the relegation playoff team as well. Our kick tip, as always, heading into the final match day, Lewis is still leading with 339 points. He has a six-point lead over Mirror, who top scored alongside German Pyramid, otherwise known as James Rees, with 17. And that is probably enough for us for another episode of the Spider Bundesliga podcast. We will be back next week to look back at all the action from the final match day of the 21-22 season. Until then... Enjoy the final match day of the Spider Bundesliga. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time.